Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond but online remains number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022 new year and a new updated desktop and web mobile website are waiting for you to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use our promo code believe to get started that's b-l-e-a-v from football basketball hockey boxing and ufc right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing available offers for 2022. Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Online, where the game starts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast via the Believe Podcast Network. Today is Monday, January 10th, 2022. Hope that uh, you had a wonderful weekend and are enjoying uh, the new year. And uh, today we have a a very special show. We're going to be talking about um, regional sports networks, or RSNs. And we'll explain what those are, uh, if you're not familiar, and we'll kind of go through sort of what's happened with them and uh, what's the future look like with with, uh, regional sports networks. And particularly asking the question and trying to answer the question of, can regional sports networks rebound through streaming? And uh, this is brought up through a few different articles that have been written about deals being made uh, by Sinclair Broadcasting Group, which owns the um, formerly owned uh, Fox Sports. Uh, I think Fox Sports had 21 regional sports networks that they had negotiated through exclusive partnerships with different teams. So Sinclair purchased those in the Disney uh, purchase of Fox, um, 21st Century Fox. And then, of course, AT&T, which is another big RSN provider, has also entered into a deal with FUBU TV. So that's kind of the backdrop, right, of this week's podcast. And this is uh, episode two of season four. So can regional sports networks rebound through streaming? Well, a little bit of history. So RSNs, or regional sports networks, which we'll refer to as RSNs uh, going forward, is really one of the first major profit centers for professional sports and and really for collegiate sports too. Because initially what was happening is you had, you know, your broadcast on, uh, let's say, um, you know, regular sort of cable channels. And uh, but it wasn't really until the 80s and the 90s where we really started to see large television contracts come in, where these programs became um, sports programs became uh, very popular. Sports have always been popular, but more in the sense of there was a, a larger dollar amounts put towards that. I think there's several reasons for that. Um, I think maybe partially it's because uh, the advertising dollars were flowing towards live television, uh, particularly um, 
as uh, people could get into more from home entertainment, whether it be from VHS or CDs or what have you, or DVDs. Um, and then, of course, later on, streaming came along, uh, which really kind of changed the course for RSNs in terms of people getting away from cable and more into the streaming aspect. But these regional sports networks were really a big deal at the time because what they did was they put together, um, you know, let's say a host of teams in a certain geographic area. So let's say the mountain, you know, the Rocky Mountain area. So you get the Colorado Avalanche, you get the Denver Broncos, you get the Colorado Rapids, um, you get the Denver Rockies, that sort of, or Colorado Rockies. And uh, you would get them in a group and you would sell the rights as a group, which would make it uh, a higher cost. And then you would put it on to one basic, you know, channel, you know, so Fox Sports Mountain West or what have you. Fox Sports West was a big deal for a while. Um, and so these sort of big sort of RSNs would exist and, and they would create an opportunity for these teams to promote, um, their content, uh, whether it be the actual game, the actual match, if you will, but also the, the commentary, right. You know, you have your own broadcasters, you have, um, you know, discussions, you have shows that talk about the teams, that sort of thing. These were a big deal and they were sort of this initial move by teams uh, to control uh, more content and output and to bring in more revenues from fans going back to the teams. So it's just a way to do it uh, as opposed to just saying, giving it to, you know, uh, one, one cable channel and saying, you know, post all of our, you know, host all of our games or what have you. Of course, this all changed. Um, and of course, colleges were doing this too, right? You know, you get uh, Pac-12 conference and other conferences that would do this as well. But uh, really what, what has happened since then is that teams have realized that it's more profitable to go it alone and sell the rights and not share the rights. Uh, of course, that was the big to-do when the Pac-12 and the Big 12, there was some talk about maybe combining into a super conference. And one of the, um, one of the hangups was that Texas and Oklahoma, specifically Texas, had its own um, University of Texas at Austin had its own television contract. And so it was very difficult um, to uh, get into a larger television deal through an RSN or what have you, when one of the teams in the conference would have its own television network. But the point being is, is that when you go it alone uh, with some of these um, regional sports networks or RSNs, it you know creates a huge financial windfall, right? Because there's there's a lot of money to be made there. And then of course the next issue is streaming, because as people could get away from cable, cable subscriptions go down, uh, and then all of a sudden people are looking to streaming for their sports. And it was just announced today in the news that uh, Apple is looking at potentially streaming exclusively Major League Baseball games, which would be a huge uh, get for Apple and a huge opportunity for Major League Baseball. Uh, to reach new fans and to be uh, available via streaming. And we'll sort of see how that plays out with regard to, let's say, for example, the Dodgers and their Sportsnet LA uh, group um, and how that might work in a streaming setting. I know Major League Baseball sets aside certain games per year for each team. So would it be exclusive just to those specific games like Amazon has done or like YouTube has done, or is it going to be something more robust? So I guess we'll sort of see how uh, that plays out. But again, the point being here is the history is that RSNs came after sort of cable. Uh, RSNs are a cable channel, but they were more just for uh, sort of this idea of aggregating 
team rights into one place and then selling those rights uh, onto a specific channel that would be solely focused on sports and specifically sports um, within those geographic areas. So Fox Sports West, Fox Sports East, Fox Sports South, Mountain West, Fox Sports Northwest, what have you, that sort of thing. ton of other names in there, I'm sure. Uh, but again, streaming and um, the going it alone approach uh, has really won out and has really started to push uh, the boundaries there. There are still RSNs around. I am sure they're still profitable, but the numbers are definitely down. And uh, any of the players in the space would tell you that. And of course, you know, as a little bit background, more background on this, one of the Dodgers, Los Angeles Dodgers initial and uh, sort of seemingly ongoing challenge is with uh, Sportsnet LA, which is their channel. It's their, it's not an RSN because it's only the Dodgers. It's not a regional sports network, but it's um, sort of, again, another iteration of this like sort of exclusive place. Now, of course, a lot of these regional sports networks, they were picked up by most of uh, the cable uh, providers. The Dodgers, unfortunately, Sportsnet LA was not. And so there was a lot of litigation over this in the beginning uh, a lot of fans were upset. A lot, you know, more than 50% of the fans couldn't even see the Dodgers uh, for years. I think Vin Scully's last season, uh, it was less than 50% of the actual fans uh, in LA who could have access to cable could even watch the games uh, because of that, uh, because of the exclusive exclusivity of Sportsnet LA. Now, of course, the other side to the exclusivity is the fact that uh, it was exclusive, so there's more dollars in it meaning that the Dodgers were able to take home $8.35 billion uh, in their 25-year deal with Spectrum uh, to have this sort of exclusive Sportsnet LA channel where all their games are housed, except for, you know, let's say a few games a year that are on Fox uh, when they do the Saturday game or maybe a Sunday night baseball game or what have you. But uh, other than that, most of the games were on Sportsnet LA. So again, We'll see how that plays out with this whole Apple thing and how that might work in terms of we're talking about just a few games or are we talking about all games will be on Apple. Um, my opinion, it'd be wise if all the games were, but there's going to be some rights issues in each of those individual contracts in terms of how exclusive those rights are. Is it just cable or is it also streaming? So we'll see how that, uh, how that plays out. But again, the point being is, is these RSNs, uh, cable, um, it's it it can be exclusive. Whereas on a streamer, you pay you know five to ten dollars a month maximum, and you get access to all the content. So I mean that's the trade off, right? Whereas a cable package is going to cost you, you know, hundred dollars a month on average, uh, and you might not even get all the channels. You know, Sports NLA is going to be a specific channel you have to get as a part of your cable package. So, um, but again, you know, look, this restrictive nature is what makes content exclusive and expensive. Uh, it's what drives up the price, this whole supply and demand thing, right? You limit the supply, the demand goes up, the price goes up. Now, uh, going back to, and talking about Sinclair. So Sinclair Broadcast Group is a large conglomerate uh, media group. They own uh, radio stations, television stations, and they also were the company that purchased the uh, 21 um, regional sports networks that Fox, 21st Century Fox, sold to Disney in 2019. Uh, I believe it was 2019 as a part of 2018 or 2019 as a part of that sale of 
the Fox assets to Disney. So Sinclair was, was running those and is still running and, and, and owns those. But they've been in this sort of massive debt problem, I think about $8.4 billion or something around that range, um, or $8.1 billion, because uh, they had purchased all these RSNs. Uh, subscriptions have been down for cable and sort of they're trying to find their way, right? And of course, nobody is, you know, these RSNs are, um, are taking a dip. And so the money that was there was once there for uh, subscribers and uh, cable subscribers is down. They're looking for a way to make money. So one of the first moves that Sinclair did was they um, got into a 10-year, um, $85 million branding deal with Bally Sports, which is obviously the uh, gaming company. Now, this is all post-Murphy v. NCAA, the 2018 case that opened up uh, sports betting um, basically across the country as long as the individual state would have some sort of scheme or uh, process in place as to uh, who got licenses or how sports gambling was done with certain sports leagues. And of course, um, that case opened this up to that. And um, so this is where sort of this Bally Sports uh, branded Sinclair uh, regional sports networks come in. But of course, that $85 million is not enough to pay for the $8.1 billion in debt, right? So what Sinclair is now doing, which I think is brilliant, is um, they, they're looking to where the consumers are at. And the consumer tide is really going to streaming. And uh, so it was just announced recently that Sinclair uh, or the Bally Sports, regional sports networks, uh, would be um, streaming NBA games. Uh, and so, uh, this is, this is a big deal because, um, they currently have, uh, 16 NBA teams under the Sinclair brand or the Bally, uh, the Bally branded Sinclair, um, broadcast. So 16, uh, teams will be, um, exclusively licensed to the, this new Sinclair streamer that they're going to, they're, they're going to bring. Now, of course, the interesting caveat to this is that AT&T uh, which is another big RSN player in all of this. Um, back in, I want to say it was earlier this year, or not in 2022, but uh, in 2021, late 2021, they entered into a deal with Fubo TV uh, to stream uh, the um, Rocky Mountain, uh, or, uh, um, the AT&T Sportsnet Rocky Mountain uh, RSNs, which includes Utah Jazz, Vegas Golden Knights and Colorado Rockies. Uh, so those games will now be streamed on FUBU TV, which is obviously a bigger brand and an existing platform. The reason I bring this up is to one, show that this is sort of where the trend is going, but also two, that um, the different strategies here, right? Sinclair is taking the approach of we're going to build a streamer and house our content. AT&T took the approach of we're going to use an existing streamer and put our content on their platform. So it's interesting, right? You can go both ways with this. I think Disney, for example, had a ton of their, all their content on other platforms. They had it on Netflix for a while. They had it on a lot of host of other platforms. And then eventually they built their own platform, right? And they put it on Disney plus uh, there's other um uh, and I think most of the streamers had really had done that, particularly in the entertainment space. So it's going to be interesting how, where Sinclair goes with this. doesn't surprise me with Sinclair. I think um, 
they probably looked at the landscape and and they they tried to find other streamers and other platforms and other buyers. They couldn't. So they said, let's build our own platform. And uh, of course, with AT&T, um, they initially had purchased uh, Warner Media, which included Warner Brothers and HBO and HBO Max and all that stuff. Uh, but then, of course, they divested of that and uh, sold it to Discovery. So it probably didn't make much sense for AT&T after it just got rid of a streamer to go out and build its own. But um, you know, we'll sort of see how the two strategies play out. But it is an, it is an interesting uh, situation for Sinclair. Uh, I think this is the right move, that they're moving to streaming, that they're going to offer this as, as an option. I think this will help alleviate some of that debt that they have. And of course, as uh, gaming and uh, mobile uh, use continue to grow closer together, it was just announced uh, today that um, Take-Two Interactive and uh, Zigna um, is being, um, Take-Two Interactive is actually purchasing uh, um, Zigna, which is a, a, a global sort of a gaming powerhouse. And then uh, obviously Take-Two is a video game company. So as these two things come together, the reason we bring this up is that obviously when you stream, you have the option to stream from your phone, particularly if there's an app, right? Or if you're just logging in through some sort of internet window. So this is a great, again, great for Sinclair. They have an opportunity to use gaming, mobile app, monetization, streaming, all these things coming together through this new streaming app that they can have. Uh, even if it's a rudimentary sort of streaming app, I think they can still make some money on this just gives people more options. They don't have to go through a cable provider to access their content, which is becoming uh, the problem and why a lot of people are not subscribing to cable anymore. Of course, look, Sinclair needs these customers streaming and mobile to survive the next generation ship. The, the current sort of younger generation now um, is, uh, is really moving towards mobile and towards streaming. It's the older generation that is really holding on to uh, the cable. But of course, once that older generation passes, a new generation comes in, they're going to be even further removed from the cable model. So this is uh, this is a good play by Sinclair and frankly, a good play by AT&T to move towards streaming. And then of course, uh, one of the interesting things about this too is that uh, there is a new um, advertising uh, sort of application that's being developed. It's called OpenApp. And uh, it has uh, several really important investors in it. And um, the reason I bring this up is that anytime you're talking about broadcasting, you got to talk or streaming, you're, you, know, you got to talk about advertising because advertising is going to bring a lot of that money back into uh, back into the bank. And so uh, Discovery, Fox, NBC Universal, and Viacom are all getting into and have all purchased and invested a minority share into an advertising joint venture um, created by several media giants that looks at sort of this future of advertising. We're getting away from the cookies model. And if you remember cookies is where basically it's a code that attaches to your website or to your, um, um, basically to your, to your search engine as you're looking up something and uh, it sort of follows you around and uh, attaches to your browser so as you look at different websites, uh, advertisers can have access to that information, says this is where so-and-so visited, this is why you get suggestive ads that say, you know, if you go search, um, I want to buy a hat, I want to buy a pair of boots, I want to buy a coat, uh, then you'll get these ads that sort of say that. 
And of course, this is also where when you go to look at a website and, you know, generally you'll get a little, uh, a pop-up menu that says, uh, what sort of, you know, cookies do you want? Um, you know, do you want them to be strictly necessary? Do you want them to be, uh, just for performance, you know, purposes, want them to be for advertising? Do you want to share your data, all that stuff? And a lot of this was made available through the California Consumer Privacy Act, the CCPA, which has put restrictions on advertisers to sell data and to give notice of it. Other states have followed suit and sort of see how that plays out. But it's put limits on cookies. And I think companies have also become aware of how cookies can be dangerous and uh, potentially a violation of people's privacy and that sort of thing. And so they're moving away from it. So this open app idea could be a potential for Sinclair in that if you're looking to bring in advertisers, looking to sell this content, make some of this money back beyond just your subscribers, uh, this is a great way to do it. Because if you can have tangible data showing engagement uh, through a smart app and you're able to sort of uh, you know, give data back to advertisers in a very clean and clear way, I think it could be very profitable. So we'll sort of see how that plays out. Uh, but I think Sinclair will be li- relying on their customers and sort of new customers to pay for this streaming service, uh, but also brands to pay for advertising on the streaming service. I think um, any sort of new revenue that comes in is going to help pay down some of that debt. Uh, you know, again, I think the competitors are doing this. You know, we talked about Sinclair, we talked about AT&T and their deal with FUBU uh, TV. Um, obviously, Sinclair is taking the sort of solo approach of building their own platform, which is, um, you know, it's risky, but I think the end result could be that could be very profitable, um, you know, in the sense that Sinclair does have 21 uh, different regional sports networks, which includes multiple teams in each of those. Uh, so, you know, we're talking, um, you know, 42 different professional teams that, that Sinclair has access to. So this is, you know, nothing to scoff at, right? And uh, could open up some serious opportunities for Sinclair once they move to streaming. And we'll see how expansive it is and sort of see where that goes from there. But I think the issue going forward is is going to be um, what broadcast and streaming rights are available and when. Uh, Because a lot of times these contracts um, will make sort of streaming exclusive to one platform or it'll say, you know, our, our broadcast rights, um, you know, are, are, you know, basically limited to, you know, when somebody purchases cable, it also includes streaming. Wouldn't be a wise decision, but sometimes that happens. So we'll sort of see. Um, but uh, this is where we're at with regional sports networks. It looks like they're making a move to streaming. I think it's the right move if they want to survive. I think it's good for all of us as consumers. And, and that it opens up some additional opportunities. Um, and again, we'll see where this Major League Baseball and Apple deal goes uh, because uh, this could be huge for Apple. They need content. They need content beyond their major. Uh, they're really two major, most popular shows of Ted Lasso and the morning show uh, and some of the movies that they've released, but they need more content. And they've got a ton of competition with HBO Max and Amazon and Netflix uh, with really Amazon and Netflix being the uh, the leaders there, but HBO is growing. So we'll sort of see, but, uh, but again, folks, thanks for listening in. This episode has been all about can regional sports networks uh, rebound with streaming. We'll sort of see how that plays out. Uh, and uh, again, thank you for making 
the Believe in Sports Law podcast, Jeremy Evans, the number one sports law podcast in the world. Looking forward to being back with you uh, next week. Thank you so much. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube